Has Google Analytics 4 got you all confused, not sure what to do, not sure why you should care, why it's going to be good for all of us in the long run and why you should care about it this year? Then this is the episode you must listen to right now. You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this Marketing Focus podcast. I'm going to keep the intro short because this is a long one today. Our guest is giving you so much great advice around G4. This month is all about the big stuff that's going on this year that you need to know about and get sorted out before we get into Q4. This episode is the Google Analytics 4 one, which... There's been an awful lot of noise about, an awful lot of weird things being said about. And so this is our common sense guide to it. We're going to be covering what it really is, how it's going to benefit you and how to get it implemented. But don't worry, we're not doing the click here, do that. We're talking about benefits and the key things you need to know so you don't trip up during the implementation process and so far, so forth, so forth and so forth. My guest has been busy implementing this for the big brands in the industry for the last three or four months. So he is fully tried and tested. He has done this hands-on multiple times already. And he's got some brilliant, brilliant tips for us on how to step-by-step process this. It's an epic episode, but it is jam-packed with useful, insightful information, which is quite frankly, going to save you a huge amount of time in doing the implementation and save you from tripping up further down the line, because there's, there's a lot in here I had no idea about until I started this chat with Dan. So make sure you listen right to the end of the episode, because there's great stuff coming at you right the way up until the end. And I will at the end summarize it down into four, four, five, five even steps for you. Stay tuned. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the email and SMS platform built just for e-commerce brands. If you're marketing an e-commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Klaviyo comes in. Its top-notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real-time data from your online online store and tech stack. Request a demo at klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Today, I'm chatting with Google Analytics expert Dan Coleman, or as he describes himself on LinkedIn, marketing demon, analytics ninja, and e-commerce wizard. Plus, he's accredited by both the Chartered Institute of Marketing and the Institute of the Data and Marketing Association, which is someone who's done the CIM bit is properly impressive. I don't know where he found the time. Now, via his agency, Coleman Marketing, he's worked with many household names and startups over the last 20 years, including Phase 8, Virgin, Hotel Chocolat and Kath Kidston. That is some brand experience. Hello, Dan. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. It is a pleasure to have someone of your calibre on the show. So thank you for being up for coming and joining us all. Ah, good of you to say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, given you've had these whole 20 years, which is a few more than me in the industry, how did you end up in e-commerce all those decades ago? Yeah, so um, I will try and keep this as brief as possible, but it's it's actually 24 years now since I've been 
first selling things on the internet. Um, so I actually started out uh, in the late 90s. I was working in IT. Found myself doing an IT support sort of IT manager role for uh, one of the McLaren Group companies. So you know them from Formula One and the, the road cars, but they've got a whole group of other things they do. So I was in their marketing company doing this IT manager role. Uh, happened to be talking to one of the directors, and it was just shortly after uh, Amazon had launched in the UK. And uh, it was kind of a thoughtful chap, and he said, oh, Dan, you know what, I think this Amazon stuff's going to be big. Do you think we should try selling our caps and T-shirts on the internet? And me being IT and the, <laughs> the internet being on computers um, and me not really knowing any better, I was like, yeah, let's give it a try. So created like a, a little ragtag band of people to build an e-commerce uh, website. We didn't even call it an e-commerce website back then. Yeah, there were no platforms. There weren't even really payment gateways. You know, we, we had to hand roll everything. Um, but then we launched that. And of course, the next thing, McLaren being very, very data driven, they wanted to know how it was performing. So we had to start hand rolling some kind of, wouldn't really call them analytics, but certainly some reports that were emailed out every week with some uh, metrics like browse to buy ratio and other things that we thought might be useful at the time that hadn't really got the, the kind of the, the naming conventions that they've got today. So I, that was the, my kind of first dipping my toe into it. So that was end of 1998, beginning of 1999. It's a fairly successful project. Uh, and then over time, uh, more people and more, more of the marketing people in other group companies got wind of what we were doing. By the time I left McLaren, I, would, I had a hand in pretty much all of the group websites, but still kind of pegged to IT. So I thought, you know, I, I see myself at this point as a web guy. Mm -hmm. They see me as an IT guy still. So that the only thing I could do was, was move on. And really the, the thing that I liked most was e-commerce. And I think the, the reason I liked e-commerce the most was because you've got this direct connection between what you are doing and the performance of the business. You know, your marketing campaigns can be seen as for in revenue. Your changes to the website, you can see whether the revenue is going up and down. All of that kind of stuff really excited me. So I went and um, found a, a pure play e-commerce business that would take me on. It was a, a jewellery company called Ashley Clark. Uh, spent a couple of years there. Um, moved around a few other pure play London-based online retailers over... That sort of s larger, small enterprise or mm -hmm. smaller, medium size. Then while I was doing that, I came across a few consultants that were bought in and uh, I, I realised that I could probably do that myself and it seemed quite <laughs> interesting what they were asked. Uh, so I had my first uh, kind of stint as a consultant for a few years. Everything was always about e-commerce. It was always pegged back to uh, to data as well. Uh, and I, I guess my consultancy differed uh, from a lot of other e-commerce consultants, I think, in that it was where I had this technical background and an e-commerce background and an analytics background. I would be asked to kind of come in on a very short engagement to solve a particular problem. So it might be we don't understand why our SEO performance has gone off a cliff or we we don't really trust our data in Google Analytics because it's very, very different to what is what our accountants are saying is coming out of the, the ERP system or, or whatever it was. Um, so it was those types of 
it's called troubleshooty type projects I got involved in. So I did that for a few years, got involved with an agency in the US, worked with them for a while on a lot of uh, Magento projects, then decided I needed to go agency side proper for a bit. So I worked for an agency called Red Hot Penny as their digital marketing director for a few years, and then decided beginning of 2020 that it was time to go back to consultancy. Interesting my, timing. <laughs> yeah, handed my notice in in the January. And Ooh. by the time my notice period was up, we were two weeks into lockdown. Um, so I was having to build this new uh, consultancy career um, two weeks into lockdown. It kind of was, it seems like it was scary timing, but it was actually fantastic timing. Yeah, because everyone was, I remember talking to a lot of people about, you've got to run your analysis and make your changes a lot faster than you're used to. And they're going, yeah, but the reporting takes us hours. So they were having exactly the sort of problem you've been solving, I would Exactly, thought. exactly. And everyone was suddenly having to move their entire business online and they were having to find ways to, to kind of do things quickly. And my network is strong enough that even if it wasn't particularly a, an analytics project or even a, an e-commerce project, people were just kind of coming out of nowhere and asking me to... Uh, if I knew anyone that could solve these questions, so uh, solve these problems for them. So it became this sort of almost like e-commerce and online marketing troubleshooting type gig for a while. And then over the over the course of the last two years, it's really sort of started shifting again much more towards uh, the, the Google Analytics implementations uh, and Google Analytics consultancy. And uh, I do white label through a few agencies in the UK and, and US um, where we... Some of them refer to it as like the the insights team, if you like, where it's but it's this still it's about supporting supporting the PPC teams and the SEO teams and making sure they've got the right data to hand and that the clients understand it and that uh, they're not kind of at odds with each other, which has I guess set me up in prime position for or pole position to uh, take advantage of the the change to GA4 that we've all had forced on us. So last couple of months, very, very busy. Yeah, bring us nicely into our kind of our key topic for today. But I think what your experience really shows, Dan, is how how the importance of accurate data and easy to understand data is at the heart of all e-commerce problem solving. You know, it's like we saw during the pandemic, sales have gone up. Oh my God, we need the key to succeeding when sales are up is data. And then you have um, when the sales are more challenging as they are at the moment, the key to success is exactly the same thing. So I've been put, you know, I've put together slide decks of how to get through the pandemic and I put together slide decks of how to get through the, through the coming cost of living squeeze. They have pretty much exactly the same stuff on them, just with arrows pointing up and arrows pointing down. So um, I think we could probably talk about that for the whole of this episode, but we're not here to that. We're here to focus in on GA4, Google Analytics 4 which I suspect some of our listeners are well into and others are being the proverbial ostrich about. And which so, are you, Chloe? Um, <laughs> I'm very into it, but I've done nothing, which I don't... Does that make me a procrastinating meerkat? I don't know. <laughs> I like that. I'll go with that. Um, so let's start off with the the basics, because guys, this is not going to be click here, do that. We're going to tell you the important stuff you actually need to know. Why should we care about GA4? To kind of frame that question, I, I think the first thing is, let, we, if we assume we care about GA, 
then we have to care about GA4. If we don't already care about Google Analytics, that's probably a whole other conversation, right? But um, based on who your audience is, I, I think e-commerce e-commerce businesses, they're all deep into Google Analytics, right? So GA4 is just the next evolution of that. The challenge with GA4 is it's not, it's not a kind of gentle evolution. It's actually quite a, a big shift, um, which is probably why we have so many um, procrastinating meerkats around at the moment. It was uh, first kind of released in Google Classic, classic way of doing these things in sort of beta form a, a couple of years ago and most of us looked at it back then thought well this doesn't look finished and as actually it was quite unusual for google where you know with google product releases we were used to things like gmail which stayed in beta for about five years and seemed a very it very didn't change yeah, at all seemed a very very <laughs> yeah. complete uh, complete application whereas ga4 when we first got sight of it it was ugly, it was lacking features, it was difficult to set up. Um, it wasn't really that, that intuitive, even for people who were, who were quite experienced with universal analytics. So a lot of people just thought, well, I don't care about that and stuck with universal. What has happened recently, um, I can't remember exactly when they announced it, it was maybe April time this year, March or April this year. Google actually announced that they were going to get rid of Universal Analytics um, and they set a, a hard deadline for it, which is um, if you're on the free version, it's 1st of July next year. If you're on uh, GA360, it's uh, 1st of October next year. And what they've told us is from that point onwards, uh, Universal Analytics stops collecting data. So that was that's a, a real incentive now to move to the next version. And um, if you want to measure what's going on with your website, there are other analytics packages out there, but only Google Analytics really tightly integrates with um, uh, Google Ads and things like that. So it's very, very difficult, I think, to run an online business without having Google Analytics in there at all, unless you're saying Google isn't part of my marketing strategy, in which case, what are you doing? So for those who are listening going, oh, okay, so there's like a new Google. We've had new new Google Analytics before. They look very similar. They're very similar to use. We just changed some code and it was all done. And I don't have to do that till the 30th of June, 2023. That's not quite the case. It, it's very different to use once you're in there, but more importantly, do not wait till the 30th of June. So let's do the, the timing one first. Dan, why should we have done this already at the point where the <laughs> listeners are listening in August. So for those on the, the free version, um, the big one is that there isn't really a direct comparison between the data that you had in Universal Analytics and the data that you've got in GA4. So as you know, as e-commerce retailers, one of the, the really important kind of measures of your success is your year-on-year -year reporting. So how does July this year compare to July last year? Now, if we are relying on Google Analytics to tell us that, and we have got to July 2023, and we are trying to compare that to what it was in universe, in, we're in GA4 in July 2023. We're trying to compare that to Universal Analytics from July 2022. You're actually going to find it's quite a difficult comparison to make. There are some similarities, and you can probably infer whether you're doing better or worse, but actually it won't give you the perhaps the 
the level of certainty that you're used to in, in making those comparisons. So th this is why I've been so busy with implementations over the last couple of months. Those retailers that realised that they would need that year-on-year -year data have been coming at me from left, right and centre and really kind of seeing if I can help them to get on to GA4 before uh, the end of June, which obviously we've missed now. <laughs> yes, uh, but... but if we missed the, the you know the end of June 2022 to get that perfect year on year data, the sooner you put it in place, the sooner you're going to get that year on year data. And this is both in terms of going into analytics and changing the compare to previous year. It's also, guys, in terms of what you put into your spreadsheets, because it's counting differently, to put it in really layman's terms. It counts the same things differently. And it calls some things a little bit differently too. So whilst you could put... Google Analytics for in place and ignore it, leaving your universal analytics in place as well until next July and then refresh all your reporting then. You do need it in place because it isn't going to retrospectively get you the GA4 data. So is that what you're advising people to do, Dan, is put it in place alongside the universal analytics and as long as it's there, you're okay? Yeah, absolutely. They're actually... Um there are a couple of threads there that are worth just touching on. Um, the first one is that, um, yes, some of the things are named differently, but that, that actually goes down to some fairly fundamental things like your channel groupings. So in universal analytics, quite a lot of us would have customised our default channel groupings and said that if you had certain, you know, certain sources, certain medium combinations coming through, then we would say, right, that goes into paid social, that goes into organic, that goes into affiliates, those kind of things. Um, we can't actually modify those in GA4. So what we have to do is make sure that all of our UTM parameters on any uh, tracked links that we're putting out there are a match for what Google is expecting to ensure that we end up with our traffic in the right, uh, right places. So that can take a little bit of time to get right. So just to give an example here, if you've tagged up all your Facebook ads, with the source or the medium being Chloe's Facebook ads, Google's not going to recognise that as Facebook ads unless you change it to the UTM tracking that it's expecting. That's what we're saying, basically. Exactly that, exactly that. Um, and so Simple but time-consuming. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of these things that should be very, very simple, but depending on uh, the scale of your digital marketing operation and how the agencies that you're working with actually work to deliver your services. Uh, so some we find it is really, really easy. We will just give them a recommendation. They will tell their PPC agency or their paid social agency. They will make those changes and it's almost an overnight thing. Others where they tend to have a much more, uh, tends to be the big scalable cookie cutter approach ones. Um, we're still waiting for, for some of those clients to actually get their the, the UTM taxonomies updated. So that, that's one of the, the first difficulties we've got. So what, what we're seeing is when we start collecting that data, you don't even really want to use it for a couple of months until you're sure that where things are, are kind of landing within the channel groupings are in the right place. And I find that the when I first put these out and leave it to run for a couple of weeks, the first thing you will see is uh, unassigned as a, a channel will be uh, quite high because these are the Yay. ones that uh, <laughs> uh, used to be called um, other in uh, you know, other in brackets in universal analytics um, but that's the stuff that it really it, it knows where it, or it knows 
enough about where it came from to be able to put it somewhere, but it doesn't know where it lives. So it will just stick it in unassigned. So there's a, a load of housekeeping to do. So once you've got the got the, the technical implementation done, you then need to start doing this hygiene stuff. The other thing that's really, really important and why you don't want to just leave it till the last minute is we're no longer just on last click attribution in GA4. So there's a um, the default attribution model in there is data-driven attribution, which has a 90-day look-back window. So really, to give that time to to kind of get up and running and really start humming, you need three months of data in there. So the way I've been approaching it with clients uh, going through this kind of period where we've had to get the data collection set up quite quickly, and they're always asking, well, can you set it up and then can you show us how to use it? So what I've been doing is saying, well, I'll set it up, but just don't even bother looking at it. I'll, I will make sure it's correct for you, give you any tips on what you need to change as far as your UTM taxonomy, but then just pretend it's not there until I come in in a couple of months' time, like two to three months, and then I will train you how to use it on a a much more mature data set that has enough data in there for the attribution models actually to show you something a little bit different to last click. So that's where it starts to uh, starts to get quite interesting. So what I'm what I'm hearing is that the the absolute perfect time to have installed this was earlier than the 30th of April. So we had three months of data. So the attribution piece was up to speed by the 1st of July for that perfect year on year, and that we'd spent April and May tidying up the hygiene of the UTMs, et cetera, to make sure the data is flowing into the right places. What I'm also hearing is that summer is a great time to be doing that hygiene piece because for the majority of the people listening, the critical data for you is going to be October, November, December lookbacks. You do not want to be in December 2023 or the beginning of November 2023 or summer 2023 planning your Q4, not being able to understand what you're going to be tracking against in Q4 2023. She says confusing herself about all these dates. So this really is a, it's not a pure set and forget as I was thinking it was. It's a set, identify the errors, change the UTMs, give it 90 days, then you can start believing it. And then then you can set and forget until July, but it's not a quick set and forget. That's right. And then there is a, Another complexity here as well, which... Excellent. <laughs> um, most of us have probably forgotten what, if whether we went through any pain at all when we set up our original universal analytics. Quite a lot of them, they probably just stuck the, the UA tracking code into their e-commerce platform and just trusted it to send all of the enhanced e-commerce data. Really easy and straightforward to do. There is a little bit more nuance with uh, Google Analytics 4 in that it's, uh, it has a far more flexible data collection model, which means you have to have a little bit more of a thinking up front about what your measurement plan is going to be, what events you're going to track, um, why they're important to you, what constitutes a conversion, that kind of thing. Google do have a set of recommended uh, events that they suggest you track, whether you're a um, like a news publisher or e-commerce business or whether you're an app. But actually, a lot of businesses, particularly in the, the lead gen space, there are a fair few more that you might want to put in there. So it's not just something that you can bounce over to your developers who, let's face it, developers are great, but they generally aren't marketing analysts. So they don't really, if you were to say to them, can you put GA4 in there? 
they'd make a good kind of guess at what was how it should be set up, but without having the hands-on experience of how it's going to actually be used within the business, there might be some things that would get missed. So what you need to do is really think about work closely with your developers and think about how it's going to be implemented. Or uh, if you're lucky enough to have Google Tag Manager in place already, uh, you can generally find characters out there, certain wizards around who can kind of help <laughs> you to uh, uh, to put those events in into your, your Tag Manager. But the, the point being that before you even start the implementation, you actually need to do a little bit of a, a kind of event audit and mapping exercise first. Yeah, and just to put an example on that, I have seen accounts before where the IT people put the tracking in place without any guidance from marketing and they put all email signups fed into the conversions box. So <laughs> your, e your conversions data is considerably better than it really is because it's counting every email signup as well as every processed yeah. order. And imagine what so, that does to your PPC bidding if you then oh. integrate into uh, Google Ads. Well, <laughs> exactly. It, it's kind of like, that's the other thing I think it's worth actually um, mentioning is all these tools are increasingly talking to each other so that, well, we know when we download it, we need and pull it into our spreadsheets on a Monday morning, we need to take five off or we need to multiply by X or whatever. Now's the time to eradicate those errors for your own sanity and use of time, but also so the systems have got the right data. And there's something else I was going to add in there as well, which I've just momentarily forget. Yes, Tag Manager. If anyone listening has not yet started using Tag Manager, is this a good time to implement that at the same time as GA4? Uh, absolutely, yeah. So, um, Google really give you two ways to implement um, GA4, either with the, you know, the global site tag or with Tag Manager. Um, but if you dig down into their documentation, there are some hints as to the direction of travel. Um, one being that, yes, you can get the, the G tag in place, but within the documentation for how to set up in there, it says, and then you can move to Tag Manager at a later date. So if you can, bear in mind that you're going to need some development support, whichever route you choose, it's the ideal time, if you've not got Tag Manager in place, to think about your data layer, think about what needs to be sent back to it um, and then get a, a proper e-commerce data layer tag manager in place, you will then be able to put not just your Google Analytics tags in there, but things like your Facebook tags and all of your other third-party marketing tags. They all sit in there nicely. Most of them actually use the same uh, same metrics that you or same variables that you pull out of the data layer anyway. So it, uh, it brings your total cost of ownership for your digital marketing estate right down. And it also means you can start using the same the same event classification across everything. So if you've determined start checkout as being this particular thing happens, you can make sure that matches up across all your tracking activity, which brings so much more sanity to everything. Um, Dan, we're at risk of getting into click here, do that, which I promised everyone we would. <laughs> so let's take a step backwards. We've also just kind of given people a massive to-do list without really extolling the benefits of why GA4 is going to be a good thing in the long run. So, uh, which I'm assuming it is. Yeah, I'm assuming yeah. there's, there's a good reason for having <laughs> GA4, despite the fact that, you know, we're not just doing this because Google said we have to. So why should we be looking forward to GA4? Why might we want to be looking at that data, uh, potentially alongside the universe analytics before the 1st of July, 2023? To answer that, first we have to look at um, universal analytics and what that really was and where it came from. Right, so that was actually 
really that that type of analytics was first under development around 2008. If you think about how we were using the internet back then, most of us, well, we didn't have smartphones. Most of us probably didn't even have the internet at home. The majority of internet use was probably from from the office in your lunch hour, that kind of thing. So it was very much session-based. So you could come on, you would always access the web from the same device. If you're coming on from home, it was likely to be the desktop over in the corner or, or the laptop. But otherwise, if you were accessing from work, likely it was the same machine every time. Um, and it was a very much more, much more simple time. Nowadays, uh, over the course of five minutes, I could access from my laptop, from my desktop, from my tablet, and from my uh, from my smartphone. Um, not to mention things like smart TVs and all of these other ways of getting online. You know, we are very much more connected, and we are very much more hitting the same website from different devices at different stages of our kind of consideration journey and things like that. So Google Analytics 4, first and foremost, has been built to address that kind of session-based analytics challenge. So it is now built from the ground up to talk about or to consider a user, which devices they are um, kind of uh, accessing your website from and which, uh, how many sessions they're coming in uh, and then what are they doing across multiple sessions. So it's doing a much better job at, at kind of uh, connecting the touch points together. When you think about it from a uh, anecdotally, anything that you've bought online and your own experiences, the chances are you will have first been made aware of a product, maybe from a YouTube ad that you've seen on your smart TV or from a, something that you've clicked on on Facebook or whatever. There are various different ways that uh, this kind of awareness happens that may happen on a different device to the one that you ultimately come through and purchase from. And it's probably a different channel has led to how you get to the site and stuff like that. So GA4, first and foremost, is an attempt to create an analytics package that reflects the way we use the web today. And so from our perspective as e-commerce marketers, it gives us a, a much, much more accurate data as far as our holistic uh, marketing spend goes. We're no longer tied to just looking at, oh, what did SEO do last week? Uh, or what did PPC do last week without ever really thinking about, well, if there are most of our PPC conversions are coming through brand, how did we actually get into the site in the first place? Because guarantee that they didn't come through uh, a brand search if they'd never heard of us. You know? so, so it's in many ways, it's more closely aligning to what we're all, all these days trying to do as marketers, which is to create that homogenized, not, not homogenized, the wrong word, that kind of cross-channel view, that more customer-centric experience, which is exactly what the data is now giving us. It's customer first, hit and session, hit to go way back to the 90s, and session secondary. So that's, that's got to be good for our understanding of our business and how to improve things. Absolutely. And that's why it's baffled me a little bit why there's been so much resistance to it. I can understand it that uh, as I said, the, the beta when it was first released was so clunky and difficult to understand that none of these promises could really be realised. But we're at the point now where it's still not perfect and there is still a lot to come over the next 12 months as far as new features and, and more accurate data and things like that in there. But it is now uh, getting us to the point where we can start to use a, a, 
a well-configured GA4 uh, implementation and start to ask different questions of it and start to make come up with different hypotheses on what might actually work for us. Uh, I think that's a really exciting time for marketers. Yeah, def anything which helps us think better and in the new way, I suppose, has to be a good thing. Yeah. And Dan, I believe there's kind of some benefits for the world of audience creation and algorithm feeding in the world of, world of ads coming with GA4 too, which it might maybe one of the things people want to dive into before the 1st of July next year. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there are a, a few interesting things in there. So uh, if you have a large enough volume of conversions and large enough volume of, of traffic coming through to your website, then uh, what happens is you start to get these predictive audiences available. So these are the things like based on people who exhibit similar characteristics and behavioural characteristics on your website, we anticipate that this cohort is likely to uh, convert within the next seven days. So if you imagine that as a predictive audience, that you would, those would be people that you would bid more uh, to attract to your website through your Google Ads campaigns and that kind of thing. But there is also a lot more you can do with audience building around um, how you actually segment people and whether you whether you uh, use these audiences purely for analysis as to how different cohorts are behaving when they're on the site. So, for example, someone who is uh, only ever spending time in the sale category will be very, very different to someone who is always spending their time in your new in category. And you can build segments like that. Now, you might just, as I say, choose to use that for analysis within uh, GA4, but you might also want to build those audiences so that then you can start to have different types of audience cohorts that you then use for your, uh, your bidding in the uh, other Google platforms. Now that's had half the audience go, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> we've just lost half of you. <laughs> Stop it, come back, carry on listening to the podcast because there's more tips to come. Um, Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure picking, it, picking your brains about Google Analytics 4 thus far. Listeners, remember to stay tuned right to the end so you don't miss on, out on Dan's extra insider tips and my suggestions for more free resources. Plus, I'll do a little mini summary of next steps for you when we get towards the end as well. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the email and SMS platform built just for e-commerce brands. If you're marketing an e-commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Klaviyo comes in. Its top-notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real-time data from your online online store and tech stack. Request a demo at klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, Dan, so far we've gone deep into Google Analytics 4. Now you get to take us even deeper into Google Analytics 4 and the types of ways we should be using it uh, and our other analysis areas this year. So for the following questions, your answers can be anything to do with Analytics and e-commerce in general, I guess, which of course includes everything we've already been talking about. So Dan, are you ready? Yes, let's go for it. Okay, let's start with newbie advice. If, you, if we've inspired someone to take their first step, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? The first thing you need is access to the, the data, right? So I'm assuming by newbie, we, we're going to be 
talking about someone who's perhaps already working in an e-commerce business and wants to, to get deeper into it, rather than someone who's somehow running an e-commerce business without ever having looked at their Google Analytics. <laughs> Funnily enough, those people do exist. They do. It's quite scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, if, if you're someone who is kind of early on in your e-commerce digital marketing career and, you, and you're thinking, that actually, this analytics stuff sounds like it could be something that I'd be interested in. Um, you've got two ways to get hold of the data. Right? So if you don't have a lot of data available to you within your role or within your team or wider business, then um, Google, quite friendly uh, of them, they will give you access to their um, their own analytics account for the, the Google Store. So if you just Google you know, Google Analytics for Sandbox account or Google Analytics for demo account, uh, you'll actually get a read-only access to their, um, their own GA4 property, which interestingly enough, isn't it isn't fully well set up, but it's a good chunk of data and it's a good way to, to kind of get an overview of the interface. But probably a more important tip is find if you have someone already looking after Google Analytics, and it might be a digital marketing manager or an e-commerce manager uh, within your organization, become their friend, ask them what reports they're regularly using, ask them what reports they're regularly generating. I think most of us know that you'll have this cycle in um, in e-commerce, it'll either be a, a weekly or a monthly trading meeting where people will pull reports out, they'll copy them into Excel and they'll start to take those to their, their trading meetings and, and report in on what has happened across the various different channels. Um, if you went and found them, I'm sure that they would be more than happy for you to volunteer to take some of that grunt work off them. And what that does is it gets you uh, very quickly into an understanding of what are the important uh, dimensions, metrics, and KPIs for your particular business. And that's really where you need to start. You need to understand, before you're even really deep into doing the analysis, you need to understand what is it that our business cares about and how are we measuring it and where can I find how we're measuring it. That's the newbie advice. Make friends with your digital marketing manager and offer to help them. Yeah, one of the best things you can do if you're not already there, build the report so you see how it's all going on. Now, once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimising. So what's your favourite way to improve performance? Three things here. Um, so first one, uh, and I've I've done this quite a lot with e-commerce businesses that I've consulted into, and it's about getting this mindset shift. So to go from a reporting mindset to an analysis mindset. And actually, GA4 does help with this a lot because the interface is much more stripped back and you have fewer reports out of the box in there. It's much more designed to be bespoke to your own requirements and uh, to answer more ad hoc questions and kind of test hypotheses rather than just look at the same report every week and see whether we're up or down across the various channels. We, we kind of got to get out of that Every time we do these reports, oh, PPC did X dollars, SEO did Y dollars. And so what we've done is we've asked the agency to find a way to uh, increase the ROAS or you know, find more efficiency. And I've told them this. You know, that's a reporting mindset. And it doesn't really, doesn't really help with optimization very much. You're actually offloading the optimization on these agencies and hoping they're doing it for you. So the analysis mindset is much more about... Um, if you're not spending your time pulling the data out, and 
if you are a, a digital marketing manager or e-commerce manager and you have this key newbie who has come to you and said, can I generate your reports? Absolutely use them. So you can then spend the time on the Monday morning thinking about, okay, so last month or last week, we thought we would test this. Or we had this hypothesis that if we put more into this top of the funnel channel, then we would uh, see results come through further down into our PPC or our um, direct or, or whatever it may be, or our email list would grow, whatever it is. Um, and start to reframe the question. So rather than it being about telling people what is happening, actually think about your your kind of your weekly analysis more about asking you know, what if we did this or what actually would happen here if this was the case a lot of what if type questions and then you follow those up your next kind of pulse say okay last time we asked what if actually we found that what happened was this what does this mean that means that we can now get into this hypothesis. Uh, and so then building the, the custom reports and the explorations and diving deeper into the data in a more ad hoc way, rather than just going to acquisition channels, all channels, what did each channel do, which, you know, let's face it, 90% of e-commerce managers that's where they begin and end with Google Analytics. <laughs> um, but yeah, get into yeah. that analysis mindset. And you can start you can start applying that to various things like your marketing cohorts, whether you've changed something on the website, um, whether you've reallocated channel budgets to different stages of the funnel. All of these kind of things can spark these sort of what if questions. So that's that's tip number one. Number two is uh, you need to really, really get out of this last click mindset. And I know we talked a little bit about how GA4 has the attribution modeling in there. And so it baffled me that um, people have shied away from it so much because for as long as I can remember, really, people have been coming to me and saying, oh, attribution modeling, that's the, that's the next big thing. <laughs> can you yeah. help us come up with an attribution model? And nine times out of 10, my answer has been, you're not ready for it. <laughs> but Yes, I was having a debate with someone the other day around... Um, I'm fed up of people saying they want to care. They care about attribution, and they're only doing a hundred grand a year. It's like ignore it. You have bigger problems. Yes. <laughs> ignore exactly. it. Exactly. But it was one of those things that became the the absolute hot topic um, a few years ago, and uh, it was almost like mobile was in 2008 or 2009. Everyone's saying, "Oh, we're all going to have to have mobile websites soon." And then five years later, we finally did. And then attribution, it was probably five years ago, people started coming to me saying, can we have attribution modeling? But people, they then are given the opportunity to use it now with Google Analytics 4. And the first response is, oh, I like it. <laughs> and uh, they, they just want to go back to this last click easy to understand stuff so you really really need to kind of force yourself to get out of that and think a little bit more about what can I do how can I now use this new tool that it's not perfect by any stretch you know it still relies on clicks to the website so you can't see what has happened as far as uh, view through conversions and things like that go but you do have a darn sight better data in order to understand the different touch points prior to your conversion. So what you really should be doing is getting out of that mindset and trying to understand a little bit more about how your customers really are finding your website and how they're ultimately purchasing. 
And then the final thing for the, the experienced people, um, which I, I did touch on it a bit earlier, but it's, um, and it's a very specific tip, but it's uh, this don't forget about user properties. We have actually had the ability to do these in uh, in universal analytics, but we never did because it was so difficult to link sessions back to users um, when they're across different devices and different sessions. So to to track user properties wasn't really that useful. Nowadays, it's doing a much better job. So you can do things like when people are spending time in your sale category, you can tag that user as a sale shopper. And over time, you build up a cohort of sales shoppers or you build a cohort of uh, menswear shoppers or womenswear shoppers or you know, whatever your, your kind of taxonomy of your business is. You can start to drill down into that. And uh, that does actually open up quite a few opportunities, both for analysis and for your, your further uh, audience building. Excellent. I love, I'm loving how in-depth these answers are, Dan. This is excellent. Uh, okay, the next of the Insider Tips questions is, if someone listening wants to learn more about uh, what we've been talking about, is there one cheap or free resource you would recommend? I'll give you two uh, very quick ones. So if you have yet to set up GA4 and you want to do it, uh, if you go to colemanmarketing.co.uk, um, I've got a GA4 step-by-step setup guide that takes you through a lot of things I've touched on today. So it takes you through how to get started with the event mapping, how to get started with your data layer building for Tag Manager and that sort of thing. It's a fairly hefty document, but um, most experienced marketers in collaboration with their digital marketing agencies and web developers seem to be able to to follow that quite nicely. Um, I'm just going to say on the subject of that being a weighty tome, if I got like a three-point how-to guide for how to do GA4. I wouldn't trust it. <laughs> it's like, this is almost one of those areas where I'm going to judge the validity of the advice I'm getting on its length. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm all up for that being a, an in-depth guide. Yeah, so it, it is very much my process. And I, I have been going through an awful lot of uh, GA4 setups recently, obviously to meet the end of June deadline for a lot of retailers. And uh, it's the exact process that I've been following for all of them. So it's tried and tested and I know it works. Excellent. But the other thing I'd recommend, and even from fairly experienced um, e-commerce marketers, is to have a look at uh, Google Skill Shop courses on Google Analytics. Most of us have kind of been self-taught as far as GA goes. And I think that's where some of the resistance comes in, that you you could go into Google Analytics, you could have a look at your traffic and landing page reports, and you could understand them. It's worth, just as, as a refresher, going and uh, spending a few hours running through the uh, uh, those Skillshop courses on, um, from Google as well. And just, you don't know what you don't know. And so you get, even experienced marketers tend to get something out of those. Excellent. Okay. Uh, the last question then. Finally, crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for? I think you touched on one of these earlier. So it's the, there's going to be much, much deeper integration between GA4 and Google Ads in particular. Um, I briefly mentioned uh, some of the predictive audience building. And I think what's, uh, what's becoming apparent is if you're a, a Google Ads user, you'll start, you, you'll see that your, your optimization score is a, creeping up the percentage that you, you'll get for having GA4 linked to your account, right? So it was a, oh, you can get a 1% better score. And now last time I checked, it was up to 5 or 6% better. And that's going to be a, a creeping thing. And I think that kind of gives us an idea of the direction of travel. So 
you can't really, even if you want to use a different analytics package for your reporting, that's fine. But I think if you are relying on Google to send business to your website, that integration is going to get tighter and tighter. The other thing that I think is going to come up that we are, it's going to be a bit of a wild time for us, in particular characters like me, is the the amount that um, regulation like GDPR and the, the American equivalents are all kind of impacting uh, what's happening. So I, I think a lot of the the sudden push from Google to say universal analytics has to be sunset and actually we, we're not guaranteeing or we're not committing to keep your data for more than six months is because there is a, a load of regulatory stuff going on between the US and the EU right now about uh, how US companies can access and process the data of, uh, of EU citizens. And so privacy is going to become a much bigger part. And it seems that every time they think they are tiptoeing towards cracking it, you'll have another ruling which will, you see the the articles that come out through the, the marketing blogs and things like that, the, the kind of quite dramatic ones. Germany declares Google Analytics illegal, <laughs> that type of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I don't think we need to panic, but I think there will be quite a lot of evolution. And that might mean that we get slightly different sets of data to we're used to, and we might have to start to rethink some of our analytical processes as a result. I don't think we'll get less data, but it's going to be, uh, uh, be very, very different. The other thing that I think is going to come up, which is kind of related, once we've got GA4 out of the way, as I said earlier, Tag Manager is my recommended approach for uh, implementing GA4. I think we are going to start getting nudged towards server-side uh, tag containers fairly soon. These are something that you can use right now, but um, they aren't really great at supporting a lot of the marketing tags that are out there. But I think what will happen is once we're all on GA4 and we're all pretty much tagged up through Tag Manager, the next thing Google will say is, right, I think it's time for you to uh, start moving all of your tagging over to server-side containers. So that's probably the next 18 months for us. Very nice. And I think it, it's kind of worth zoning in on two of those. Uh, pieces there. One is those of you who, who see, you know, saw the the death of a Magento version and <laughs> moved to Magento two point zero. This isn't one of those. Google Universal is going to die. Um, it's not going to get extended endlessly. And I think one of the other really interesting, potentially philosophical points about all this, which I promise everyone I'm not going to dwell on, but it's worth noting is that Apple's reaction to all the privacy updates was iOS. 44 and, and or 14 or whatever number it was 14. and onwards um, because that was their reaction to all the privacy changes this GA4 is essentially Google's reaction to a lot of the privacy changes so a very different approach all being driven by the same movement forwards um, so yeah this isn't going backwards. And actually, I think in many ways, it's better for all of us as, as humans and as marketers, because anything which makes us think more about the user rather than the stats is probably a good thing. Probably. <laughs> um, Dan, okay, that's been epic. Thank you very much. Anyone who's been listening to this, who's been going, I need Dan. I, I, I like the idea of his very large document, but I just want Dan. How do they get in contact with you? Best place to find me is on LinkedIn. So on all of the socials, Daniel M. Coleman. Um, so that'd be LinkedIn, Twitter, possibly even Facebook, although I'm unlikely to accept your friend request if I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, Daniel M. Coleman across all the socials or just uh, go to colemanmarketing.co.uk. 
Excellent. And we'll make sure there's links to all of that in the uh, in the show notes for you. Dan, wow. Thank you. Epic episode, but value packed. So thank you so much for, first off, for, for having so much experience in this part already and being able to explain it all to the listeners as well. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks very much for having me. I've enjoyed it. Okay, everyone. What an, quite frankly, epic run through of I think everything you need to know about GA4, quite frankly, I've drilled it down from everything that Dan was saying into five key steps. So let me run through those as my kind of little outro tips for you. First of all, get clear on the event tracking and conversion tracking you want to use in the tool. Then you're going to be ready to install it, install the GA4 alongside the universal analytics that you've already got set up. Do not get rid of that. Um, And I strongly suggest using Google Tag Manager GTM to do it and migrating everything over at the same time. If you're going through this project, let's mop everything else up at the same time and get all that data really spot on for you. Once it's in place, start looking at the reports and tidying up those that UTM tracking you're using in various channels to make sure it matches with the default channel groupings that Google's using so as everything goes in the right place so your reports are useful. Number four, wait 90 days. Yay, there's a moment of not having to do much. Wait 90 days for that attribution piece to be fully updated. So basically, they're doing some clever stuff to work out where sales should get attributed. And it takes it's a 90-day cookie window, essentially. So the data is going to be terrible until you get 90 days in. And then fifth and finally, because that's basically your setup, then start getting excited about all those audiences and stuff you can do for ads. That's the bit which was user properties that Dan was talking about towards the end there. And then you can start looking at the analysis and so far, so far, so forth. Loads in that episode. We will make sure all the links are in the show notes on the website for you. um, And we will put those five tips I've just read out in the website too. And of course, that link to the amazing document that Dan's got of his tried and tested step-by-step guide to implementation. You can get all of that on our website, including the full transcript, actually, which might be super useful for this particular episode. All of that's available at keepoptimizing.com. You can go straight to this episode by going to keepopt.com forward slash 111 because this is episode 111. So K-E-E-P-O-P-T dot com forward slash 111. And that will take you straight to the correct page on our website. We can get all that good stuff. When you're there, you can, of course, add yourself to our email list and... Uh, you can also sign up for our monthly Q&A webinar where I'm really hoping we can find a date that Dan can do because I suspect this is an area where quite a lot of you are going to have questions and that we'll be doing at the end of this month. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of the Keep Optimising podcast. I know it's been a bit of an epic one. There's a lot in here, but this is probably the most important thing you need to be taking um, or dealing with in the world of e-commerce foundations this year. So worth spending the time on doing it properly, as we've just heard. Now, if you've enjoyed the episode, check out the rest of our Q4 updates, uh, which we're bringing to you all this month to help you make sense of all the key things which are going on at the moment. And please spread the word because I think GA4 in particular is one that a lot of people are getting 
bit confused and frustrated with and certainly one where as we've just learned if you set it up badly you're gonna be building in problems for yourself in the future so please do tell your fellow marketers to have a listen to this episode because we produce this whole podcast and this episode to help all of you have an easier more successful life as e-commerce marketers have a great week and make sure you listen to our next episode so i can help you to keep optimizing your marketing Access everything Keep Optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.